named our podcast the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we thought we were world class, but because we try and get closer to it every conversation that we have. What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you? World Class Estate Agency is all about people. The good estate agents add, adds an incredible amount of value to the consumer. He's, he's looking after the customer properly, so being approachable, being accessible. And for me, every day's a learning day. What does being a world-class agent mean to you? Hello and welcome to today's episode and the first episode of 2022. This is the World Class Agency Podcast. My name is Mark Oral. I'm joined by Perry Power for his last episode as guest host. Um, hello, Perry. Happy New Year. How are you, my friend? Yeah, really good. Happy New Year, Mark. Really, really lovely. Lovely chill Christmas, but I was I was really up for getting back to back to the grindstone. It's funny, I I hardly thought about work whilst we were off. We the reason apologies to the listeners as well. We didn't this episode was due to be recorded last Tuesday of the last working Tuesday of the year, but we got COVID. I got it on the Saturday. My wife got it on the Monday. There was no chance I was going to be able to record this podcast with two kids running around the house. So apologies. We ended last year abruptly, but we are back with a bang. Uh, and I had a really great start to the year, first day back. Um, and I can see my energy levels. It's funny. You don't know it when you're in it, do you? But I can see that the break has done my energy levels. Um, you know the world of good i had a phenomenal day yesterday i felt like i had loads of energy 12 hours and you know stuff that i know would have got put off till today i got done at sort of half seven eight o'clock at night last night and i know that we're gonna have some good results this week on the back of it something i haven't done yet that i always do over christmas is i book my first kind of holiday yeah really think that really helps because i'm a real go hard and go away like yeah. recoup a bit like you I think most people I like working like intense for like two three three months at a push then I know I start lagging and then I've got to take it like a good week off where I'm doing hardly anything so it's um really I booked that looking forward to that how was the Rona? did it hit you hard or you were right well, I, well, funnily enough, Craig, who was on when we interviewed him the other week, I said, oh, you're the first person to get Rona through uh, through Zoom because it was like just those sort of timescales. Um, I was all right. I, I got it on, I think, the Thursday and I was a bit hungover on the Saturday and it felt like a bit of a hangover and then it went on a little bit. But I wasn't, I didn't spend any more time in bed than I normally would um, on, you know, a normal standard day. I was still out. So the whole day in bed then. <laughs> was, um, yeah. Me and Tash feel like we're kind of dodging air at the minute because we both yeah. managed to not get it. And we're just praying. We know we're both going to get it at some point, but it's Freddie's fourth birthday party this coming Saturday. Yeah. So we're still like almost isolated, like shielding, just because I don't want nothing, bless him, to ruin his... He's got Spider-Man coming and he's going as Batman and I'm Robin and it's going to be world cool. But um, so, yeah, let's talk about today's guest. Yeah, so I'm really excited about this. So um, apologies to Nicola because we cancelled that and she's been kind enough to rearrange for, for this morning. But um, she's somebody who is making waves, I think you'll probably, probably agree, and is really very passionate in the same way that we are about changing this industry for the better. Yeah, totally. It, 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 it's a breath of fresh air and it's and you'll hear, but we were talking about it's really easy not to 
be like a typical recruiter and that's not to be like a typical recruiter and I think she's everything opposite in a good way to what a recruiting recruitment agent should be yeah she absolutely loads of value and and, and shares so much great I, advice I, I completely agree and she's she's the type of person as well um and we'll introduce her very shortly but she's the type of person who doesn't just talk the talk um she's recruited people for us in the in the past and everything that she talks about is exactly the way that she dealt with me as a client and dealt with um the candidates as 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 clients as well it was a fantastic um experience and at the end of it she was very honest with you know the results that we that we we got and she gave us some really good feedback as well so um it's always good to see somebody that is able to walk the walk as, as well as talk the talk but enough from us should we dive in and introduce today's guest let's do it Today's guest has the most famous quiff in real estate and comes from a family full of estate agents, which perhaps explains why she's so passionate about driving change in our industry. She launched her company just two years ago and in that time has established Broomer Recruitment as a household name and a go-to business for anyone wanting advice on estate agent recruitment. As the host of the Broomer Podcast, she uses it as a platform to highlight issues around mental health and diversity within our, within our industry. Nicola Broomer, welcome to the World Class Agency Podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. That was a wonderful introduction. I like that. <laughs> World's you. famous quiff. I definitely agree with that one. Definitely agree with that one. <laughs> didn't didn't the quiff go walkabouts briefly last year? It did. It did. I um I thought it was probably about time I had a bit more of a grown up haircut and, a, and something <laughs> a little bit less um shocking. Um and I and do you know what the feedback was really positive. Everyone said to me, "Oh, Nicola, it looks so much better. You look so much more feminine. It's it's." It's lovely. I love it. All of my family love it, especially my mum. My mum hates my hair as a quiff. And, uh, and, and I, but I just didn't feel like me. I felt really weird. And, uh, and so I cut it back in again. Although I have been contemplating that as I'm nearing 40, perhaps it's time to get rid of it and do something a little bit more grown up. I was just going to say, but then less- you realise being grown up is not what it's all packed up to be. And you thought, bring the quiff back. <laughs> yeah well I did I did but I don't know I just I wonder if it's a bit harsh sometimes so I don't know I don't know it's the problem is it's become a brand it's become like the brand of premium <laughs> so I feel like I can't really get rid of it I yeah like a bit everyone's 90. like what's that woman you know recruitment quiff oh Nicola that's it yeah <laughs> <laughs> so Nicola let's jump straight in let's blow off the cobwebs what does world-class estate agency look like to you Okay, so I think my answer to this would have changed from what I said when I was on this podcast two years ago. Um, The last couple of years, I think world-class agency now is all about personal brand. And I think it's about visuals and audios. And what I mean by that is I think that world-class agency is about the drone footage, the video walkthroughs, the brilliant photography I love all these evening and night images that I'm seeing um, a lot of those going going on at the moment but I think I think having that real sort of bespoke and professional package is what world-class agency looks like now so So, kind of so kind of taking the obviously world-class anything I guess the default reply is good service blah 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 but world-class agency is taking the promotion and the marketing of the property to the next level, I guess. So a side question to that. So do you think that should be part of the standard package, I guess, for estate agents? Like 
or should should clients have the option of having I guess you can call it crap mark you know standard marketing yeah. as in old yeah. school marketing or should the the new wave of marketing be included in that um I think it should be included I think the uh, I think if, if agents I see all the time agents want to get their fees up um, and I think the only way that agents are properly going to get their fees up if they act, is if they actually provide something that's worthwhile paying for. Um, and I think, I don't know, I mean, yes, you could offer the bog standard, stick it on right move and we'll charge you 0.75 or 1% or whatever. But I think if you're going to get the 2% fees, which is what everybody's pushing for plus, and those chunky, chunky fees, you've got to be going down the route of, of doing things like... Um, I don't know, there are some really good agents out there at the moment that are doing brilliant things. There's a guy that I follow called James Scudder. Um, he's based over in Wales and he he does these incredible video walkthroughs. Um, I know the guys at Avocado do it. I know the stories do it. I, you know, there are loads and loads of companies out there that do brilliant, brilliant videography. But I just think now that going on to Rightmove and looking at a house that doesn't have a floor plan that's got three photos in it's just it's just lazy estate agency I guess like I guess fundamentally if you want your fees to level up you and what you offer have to level up and I hear it a 100%. lot like people ask me like should I charge one percent and then a this package and that package and this package and I'm like or just charge two percent with a fucking brilliant package it's really that simple absolutely yeah, yeah, and 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 as well, just touching on that sort of customer service thing, my uh, my, my sister's been buying a house recently, and obviously she's an estate agent, or other half's an estate agent, and they've been dealing with a local agent who has been brilliant. And when I say brilliant, he's been phoning her before he's going to see houses to go, look, this is going to suit you. Actually, we can knit the chain together by doing this and this and this. And they're advising her throughout that whole process of going, look, have you thought about offering this or? Um, I don't know, just just different solutions to what at the moment is a really difficult problem for anyone that's trying to buy and sell a house. And the result has been that she's really trusted him. She's trusted him 100%. And she knows that he has her best interests at heart because ultimately he wants to get this sold and, and to get them moved and to earn his fee. And he's doing a brilliant, brilliant job. And she must have told, I don't know, She's definitely told me, my husband, my mum, several of us all about how brilliant this guy's been. And I think, again, it's it's about not just customer service in terms of, hi, yes, I can help you being great on the phone and calling people back when you say you're going to call them back. It's about going that extra mile and doing that little bit more that makes somebody actually understand that you have their interests at heart genuinely um, and offering solutions. Isn't that a fantastic story? Because I feel like if we'd have been talking, maybe even when you first came on the podcast a couple of years ago, I was very much expecting you then to talk about a terrible experience that uh, she'd had with a local estate agent. So to hear that on the positive side, it's fantastic news. We should all be sharing those positive news stories, hopefully change a bit of the rhetoric uh, around this industry. I think it's um you know, really important. And Perry, I know, is very passionate about that. But I want to just sort of move slightly and talk about your industry, um, Nicola. Recruitment has been quite tough last year by, by all accounts and the conversations um, that we've had. But I'm interested in sort of why do you think that is and what are your predictions for um, recruitment, agency recruitment in 2022? Yeah, recruitment has been unbelievably tough. Um, 
it was, uh, I mean, having set up a business in the, well, what, two and a half months before a pandemic? <laughs> Unfortunately, I've kind of never known a stable recruitment market, um, which is, which is, I guess, is really hard, actually, because we just seem to have bounced from one issue to another issue. And we've gone from COVID and lockdowns and in and out and everything that's, that's caused or happened because of that into a, into a, a market where no one wants to change jobs. Um, so, and why, in answer to your question, what's caused that? Um, number of factors, really. Loads and loads of people have left estate agency. Loads of people. Um, really? I think that we hear talks all the time about the great resignation. There's been a lot of things in the press about the great resignation, which they predict will be happening at the beginning of this year. Um, and I think in estate agency, we've already seen quite a lot of that. People took lockdown as a time to go, right, what do I want to do with my life? Yeah, I'm back, I'm back working at home. I've kind of got a bit of quality of life to a certain extent in terms of family time and time to breathe and think um, back. And what that, what that caused was a lot of people to go, I don't want to work from eight till seven, Monday to Friday. I don't want to work every other Saturday and sometimes on a Sunday. And actually, if you ask me to work a bank holiday, ain't going to happen. So what that's done is it's meant that lots of people have moved into the supplier space. So prop tech has become much more appealing because it's easy to transfer into that sector. Um, it's also meant that lots of people have retrained and gone and done other things because there have been shortages in uh, staffing in so many sectors, um, not just not just property, but obviously across the board. So it's meant that people have been more open to transferable skills that's allowed people to leave. But the biggest problem is that nobody's nobody's come in. Um, a lot of people come into this industry from hospitality um, and sort of high end customer service type roles. And they haven't, nobody's, nobody's done it. Um, and there's been a real sort of shortage of, of that. But as well, a lot of companies have seen employers have a sort of revolving door of staff. Mm. Um, you know, go, in, go into a lockdown, sack the last people that we hired, come out of a lockdown, hire some new people, go into a lockdown, sack some people. And people have been on and off a of furlough and it's just meant that they've suddenly felt very insecure within their roles. And the grass is always greener mentality just hasn't applied and they've decided they're better off staying where they are. But also, and of course, you guys will have seen this, you've had the best, best market you've ever had. You know, estate agents in particular in sales have earned more money in the last what, six, nine months than they've probably ever earned. And so why the hell would they change? So there's there's a real, there's a lots and lots of different factors going on, lots of things happening, and it's it's meant that trying to get people away from jobs has either been a challenge because of lack of trust in their in in sort of keeping a, a new role, or it's meant that they haven't been interested because they're only shed loads of money. So that ties in really well with two things that I wrote down, as in when you said there's n there's not a lot of people coming into the industry. And quite a lot that are leaving potentially because of the new world, new way of working, whatever you want to call it. Do you think there's, what do you think the balance is between career agents? And I, I, I class those as people that it's not about are they going to be an estate agent or not. It's about where they get, where they're going to be an estate agent, as in they are through and through committed to estate agency. Mm -hmm. And there's people that might come into it for a year or two to make a quick buck 
go out and do something else and come back in again. And do you think there's, what do you think the split is? And it's a big question, I know, but is it 50 50, do you think, versus career agents and people that would get into agency and stuff? How do, you spot, how do you spot them as well? That would be really interesting. Yeah, that's a really good question. How do you spot them? How do you spot what? The, the who's going to fall into which camp? Yeah, kind yeah. of the, yeah, like the career. Um, the ones that are likely to, so once you join a state agency, we always we always say this, it's a, it's a bit like going down the rabbit hole. It's very hard to get out of a state agency once you're in it, or it always has been up until probably the last couple of years. Um, once in a state agent, always in a state agent. And I think that I see this all the time on my LinkedIn with people that are in a state agency, go off and do something else and they come back to it so many cvs people come back to agency and that falls into i guess your character your category if you like of um characters that want to be estate agents for life yeah sometimes um, you've, got to, you've got to leave to realize that you really did love it oh it's annoying working them days and them hours and dealing with these these clients at times but i love it i've got to get back to it yeah. that's them kind of ones yeah. isn't it and we've had a few of them there, yeah there absolutely are and the best estate agents really do live and breathe what they do um, and I think that to a certain extent, though, those people are quite old school agents. And what I mean by that is that we don't really see many 20 somethings that want to be estate agents when they're 45. We don't see many of that. We see a lot of it at the moment. Generationally, we have a real issue. Um, and this is one of my challenges that I have as a recruiter is that we've got business owners and directors within agency that are expecting younger generations, um, Generation Zs, for example, to behave in a certain way and to want the same things they wanted. You know, I, I was I was Romans born and bred. I was I used to work stupid hours and I loved my job. I would give up my holiday because it meant going and getting a deal in because that's how I was brought up. Um, but they expect the Generation Zs to be the same. And unfortunately, they're not. Generation Zs are more of that sort of second category that you said, which are people that want to come in, they want to learn, they want to, um, they want to become an estate agent because actually that might mean they can do a photography course on the side, or they can learn to become a surveyor, or they can use it as a sort of stepping stone to become a more professional entity within in the property space. Um, the people that are coming into the market as Teenage, late teenagers, 20, sometimes 30-somethings, those types of people that really are career estate agents are the ones that are um, like the grafters, the, bit, the ones that if you can tell they've got a bit between their teeth in, on an interview. They're talking about real sort of customer service. They're talking about um, wanting to do the best for the client. The, the language they're using is much more about helping people to move with their lives Whereas the ones that are the short, more short-term people are the ones that are talking more about career or opportunity or further what they can get further down the line. Does that make sense? They are, there's a different type of language that's used with those two different categories. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. And I think probably perhaps some of the generational issues that we've got by the sounds of things as an industry is, is because of how the industry is, is thought of. So hopefully we're, we're making a step towards mm -hmm. changing that. But I wanted to ask you, you talked your Romans through and through, you worked all the hours, you talked about directors having this expectation. So, and you also earlier talked about people 
who have left the industry, who don't want to work weekends, who don't want to work bank holidays. So how important do you think it is now for an agent? Do you think it's more important that they take the old school stance of being open all hours, always being available, or do they need to change their thinking and maybe be more flexible to allow them staff to have that that little bit of work-life balance to enable them if they want to attract these Gen Zs to come into the industry and then also, more importantly, I would argue, retain them? Yeah, 100%. 100%. It's actually the millennial generation that tends to be leaving the industry. Um, and those millennials are the ones that are parents. Yeah. Parents to sort of young children. They're the ones that tend to be leaving the industry at the moment more so than any other. Um, and I completely agree with you. We've had many, many discussions at work and with various clients about needing to change their attitude towards this. Um, I think if there are clients and there are people listening to this who are going, oh, I only run a small agency. We can't offer flexible working because there's only five of us in the team. I'd argue that there are the likes of Keller Williams, Tyrone Ash, um, you know, whatever you want to call them, all of these self-employed models. Yeah, all of them, all of these self-employed um, sort of flexible hybrid models that make it work and they make it work with one person. Mm. So I don't believe that agents can't make it work when they've got five. And I think that the public also don't expect an estate agent to be there at half past six to answer the phone. And technology doesn't mean they need to be there at half past six to answer the phone. I think that's that's the biggie is that this old school attitude of we have to have a morning meeting at half past eight every day. No, you don't. I'm not being funny, but Goldman Sachs don't have a morning meeting at half past eight every day and they still manage to function. So I think if you if you can be a little bit more not necessarily just open minded, really look at what's out there tech wise. Uh, look at what some of these uh, independent agents are doing that are absolutely tearing up the industry and doing really well with with how they're they're shaping stuff. I, d- I just think it's really, I don't know, stuck in the old ways and, and it doesn't attract talent and it certainly doesn't retain talent because there will be another agent out there who will offer flexibility with, and, um, and allow someone to pick their kids up. With, with COVID, we've gone even more the other way, like, um, we've we've closed our physical office because it ended up being a we've never been high <clears throat> we've never been high street anyway but <clears throat> we had a really nice office on a business park and we even closed that because it ended up becoming a couple of grand a month key cupboard and yeah even the employed team I was like right well let's try it so the agent support team we tried to come back and all of our team are quite we're all parents all of our employed team bar one who's who's like a trainee um but they all agreed that they would rather be working at home and we've put some really good things in place but things like um if someone rings up at seven o'clock right and i see it all the time they're not expecting the world at seven o'clock and with people like money penny and stuff it makes Mm -hmm. it so much someone calls money penny get the call um, they get their name, number, email address, buying position, property the one of you, blah, 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 and just say, great, we'll be in touch. A member of the team will be in touch as soon as possible to get that confirmed for you. So I've seen it at nine o'clock at night. That person must think, bloody hell, that was good. But they actually, the viewing weren't booked at nine o'clock. It'd be booked at 
9.05 the next morning and they'll be really happy. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah. it is really interesting how you can um, now operate, I think. Um, you totally can. But the other thing as well is that I think that if you give your team and your people a bit more autonomy and a little bit more trust, the reality is they'll probably do a bit more for you anyway. So if you're giving them the flexibility to manage their day and their diary and things like that, and they know that they've taken, I don't know, half an hour out to make the kids tea or pop along and take their kid to a dance lesson, for example, they will not necessarily resent picking the phone up at seven o'clock at night to answer a call because you've already given them that little bit back. So it's all about give and take and treating them like a grown up and they're going to treat you the same back. Something um, I'm really hot on at the minute is, is manage the action, uh, manage the results, coach the actions. And I think a lot of people yeah. manage the actions and become micromanaging and not get, whereas if you manage a result, so this is the result that we need. We've now moved to a fortnightly agent meeting. We have a monthly physical uh, and a monthly uh, video. So every two weeks and a weekly ops team meeting. And we've really jumped into things like Trello for the, for the remote team management. We use Salesforce for the internal communication, all that kind of stuff. I think it's really, really good how you can adapt and yeah. be forced to. We were quite tech savvy before, but we're now, you could argue, too tech reliant. And I'm trying to push it back to the old school a bit at the minute. We've, um, we've back to, like you mentioned your example earlier, just good old fashioned, wicked estate agency with the tech. Because sometimes I think you can go too, maybe I've been a bit guilty yeah. of that, a bit too tech driven and enabled and focused and reliant upon yeah I think there's a balance I think you can certainly implement tech just for the sake of having it yeah, as well yeah, I've done a fact, yeah. <laughs> what are there 550 something suppliers on the kerfuffle website alone um, and you can't tell me that all of those 500 suppliers are actually provide a product that everyone needs yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> just, that, yeah so um I think it's uh it's with with um, sometimes with prop tech, um, there was a thing I saw on the Dragon's Den a few years ago, and it was like this. It was almost like a condom for um, cucumbers, and it was like this rubber thing that you put over the end of a cucumber. Where's and, this going? Uh, <laughs> they invented it. They invented it to keep the end of the cucumber dry, and the dragons were like, "Well, you just literally cut the end off," and that was it pitch gone <laughs> and <laughs> and it's really stuck with me that whole concept because you do just cut the end off and it's like the tiniest bit of cucumbers it doesn't really matter and sometimes that's how I feel about prop tech I think sometimes we're trying to create a condom for a cucumber that you just don't need <laughs> yeah so I think it's because yeah. a lot of the tech suppliers aren't actually haven't come from an agency background as well but then sometimes a consumer trying to solve a problem can really help as well because the agent's too blind to see it in the first place so but yeah completely it's, it's, it's really interesting one thing i really wanted to touch on quickly um and you mentioned about people coming into into the industry outside of the industry hospitality and stuff mm -hmm. like that um and there's a lot of companies out there and people that i always see recruitment is no experience required or must have loads of experience it it, mm -hmm. it tends to be either a black or white kind of thing like we only take on people with experience yeah. or we definitely don't. And my, my stance on that has always just been, it really comes down to the person ultimately. Um, 
what's your view on people needing experience to get into the uh, industry or the benefits or cons of no experience at all? Um, personally, I think it depends on the job function. So if you, you can't recruit a valuer, in my opinion, with no experience, they've got to know what they're doing. Um, and they, they need to know how to, how to use tools like, you know, home search and Sprift, et cetera, et cetera. And, and all the other bits and pieces that's really useful. If you can just bring someone and just almost drop them into your business as a valuer, knowing what they're doing. Next, on the other hand, um, or consultants or whatever you want to call them, whatever title they've got, but an old school neg. Um, I think sometimes if you hire somebody with experience, they come with the wrong experience and they come with baggage. And um, corporates, actually, there are a number of corporates that provide really good training, really, really good sound training. And actually to get somebody that's been corporate trained that can come in as a neg still fairly fresh and sort of green to it, I think is, is probably the best type of person you can bring in. Um, I think if you bring somebody in who's worked for, say, a single branch, independent, um, in a small team, who's probably done the role for six to 12 months, I think that's where you're likely potentially to have picked up bad habits, depending on what that estate agent's like. Um, you guys will know, if I were to come to you with a neg who'd worked for ABC estate agents in your area, uh, you'd probably there'd be a couple that you go no thanks you're right I know how they treat their their people I know what their reputations are I don't want them so I think it can be swings and roundabouts and it depends on that that background um, but I think that people need to hire for attitude um, and people need to hire for um, you know sort of that it depends on the role really we see a lot of the time that they're not the right cultural fit and actually what they're saying is, I just don't like you. Um, and they put it under the guise of being a cultural thing. And it's not, it's a, it's a you're not the right person for me or I don't like you. And I find, we find that as a team quite frustrating sometimes because we try to look at things as a cultural ad rather than a cultural fit. So, um, you know, what's your team missing? What type of personality do you need in your team that you don't have at the moment? You know, you're all a massive bunch of extroverts. Well. At some point, you're probably going to come unstuck and you need a little bit of balance in there. Um, and I think that if people are hiring without experience, they need to be looking at what sort of values that person has and whether those values align as a starting point. And how do you how do you find out those values at interview? Because that's the really hard part, isn't it? And to add to that, it is and, a really and... hard part. And just what that is that question that I was going to ask, Mark, but also you touched on um, the old adage, um, hire for attitude, train for skill. How do you test yeah. the attitude to know what you're getting potentially? And I know you can't <sighs> never know well, 100%, but you know what I mean? You, you can never know 100%. And, well, we uh, want the golden I... goose, Nicola. That's what we're saying here, basically. <laughs> <laughs> there is no golden goose. Um, and believe me, I've got this wrong myself in the past too. Um, I think that I think you need to create different situations. So what I mean by that is that if you only interview somebody over Zoom, um, you're only going to see one dimension of that individual. Yeah. So um, we all know how different people are in real life to how they are over video, over the phone. I think that 
for me, I would always try and lengthen the recruitment process rather than shorten it. So put in place a meet the team, get them relaxed, get them to feel a little bit more like it's um, a natural environment. It's very easy for people to put on an act for an hour, sat in an interview face to face across a desk. Very, very easy for people to do that. It's not so easy for them to do over a longer period of time. So a trial day is always a uh, something we would recommend or a half day trial day, something like that. Um, I think when it comes to measuring values, this is going to sound really old school, but I quite like a good old fashioned questionnaire. And the reason why I like a questionnaire written on a piece of paper is because when as interviewers, it's really difficult to interview. Interviewing is a really tricky thing to do. And whether we like it or not, we will automatically be influencing someone's answer by the way we ask a question or the faces we pull or our body language or whatever it may be. And if we're truly trying to understand what someone's values are, put them into sort of a, a sterile test type environment and actually get them to answer it without any external factors. The other thing as well is creating a proper in, um, interview structure. So very often we'll hear from clients that say, oh, I'm interviewing ABC. We had a really nice chat, really like them, think they'll be great for the team. And when we, when we sort of drill down from the candidate side and go, so what did you talk about? It turns out really that all that's happened is that the, the, the company that's hiring or the person that's sat hiring them has just talked at them solidly for an hour and liked whether or not they've, how they've responded to their questions, their, their sort of things they've said. There's not been a lot of sort of structure to it in terms of uh, give me an example of and why did you do that and how did you feel about that and what would you different do differently next time. Um, we talk a lot about how on an interview it should be like a like a multi layered cake and quite often people will ask sort of like a top layer question and they'll be too busy trying to work their way through the questions on their piece of paper of i.e. ticking them off they won't actually be listening to the answer that the person's given. And even when they give that answer, they should be following up with a, and tell me more about how you felt about that. And why did you do that? And what were your actions behind that? And um, what have you learned from that situation? And um, how would you apply that differently? All of these deeper, 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 deeper questions are the ones that will give you a much better insight into someone's values, into someone's true attitude and true beliefs on things. If someone doesn't believe what they're saying, they will very quickly become unstuck because they won't be able to go down those deeper levels and you won't be able to properly probe into them as an as a individual as to what made them behave away or think away or act a certain way. Does that help i think that's yeah. really, and that's really good advice and i've written down on my notes here that we'll talk about at the end perry is you wouldn't do it in a sales advice meeting you wouldn't sit in someone's lounge and talk for an hour so why would you do it at an interview you know it's the old two ears one mouth scenario isn't it but i think that's really really helpful and having that proper interview structure and lengthening the recruitment process because as business owners we want the right person and we want them tomorrow don't we We've just brought in like so with our um, over the last couple of years we've we've been fortunate to have like agents join our web um, the waiting list on our website but we've been not recruiting but we're just about to start onboarding a few more agents but we've just rolled out because uh, we have an end of month physical agent meeting we've just rolled out that Simon will have a chat with them initially once they've joined the waiting list jump on a video call sound them out get them 
I think interviewing as well, I think people forget the fact that they're interview or they need to remember they're interviewing you as much as you're interviewing them as well and don't make it all one-sided. Yeah. I make that very clear to be, look, we're not here to recruit. I didn't want to say this at the start, but I really dislike the word recruitment. It's like, it, it comes across like I'm, I'm trying to recruit you into my business, but maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm just trying to have a chat with you and see if my business is right for you. Maybe you're trying to recruit my business. Um, but <clears throat> we've just rolled out an end because we haven't, we always have now a structured end of month physical meeting of our agents to invite them along just to sit in the room, meet everyone, see the tempo of the meetings, the kind of energy in the room, whether they think they can gel with the rest of the team or if they think there's people there that they think they really won't get on with to lengthen it. And if we meet someone on the second of the month on the video call, they'll need to wait maybe three and a half weeks for the next kind of stage of the process and I'm really gonna yeah. I'm really hot on that because I think that's going to be plus I want to get all the other agents opinion as well because I'm I'm certainly not luckily I think every in any business owner that's still standing today has made more good decisions than bad but I've made a hell of a lot of bad decisions that if I involve more of the wider team I probably might not have made them so that's something that the we're problem I completely agree with you. I 100% agree with you. But the problem with that approach in this market right now, this very minute right now, is that the demand for good people is so high that they tie, we say, we, have, we say in our office, time kills deals. And so whilst I want you to lengthen that process in terms of putting in more, more events, if you like, within that process, if you do it over a long period of time, they can lose interest. They can be poached by someone else. They can, um, they can be, bear in mind, they've got probably got three or four, if not more recruiters in their ear going, come to me, come and talk to me, come and talk to these guys. And yes, I, I know the counter argument to that is going to be, well, I want them to work for me. I want them to, to come and choose to, to be part of my business, not part of somebody else's. But I think at the moment when the competition is so fierce for good people and salaries are going up as well um, because they're having to be because people are being counter offered and all of that sort of stuff. I think that lengthening that process in terms of time can leave you with no one. So it's, it's getting the balance right between the two. I completely agree with you when it's much more of a employer's market, but at the moment it's a candidate's market. And they're the ones that are Yeah, I think shots. it's a little bit different in the partner agent space potentially as well, because we're not recruiting anyone the pulse. We're very much focused on most of our on our waiting list are what I call second hand self-employed estate agents, which is okay. my actual target for our business. Yeah. I don't want Fine. people who are fresh behind the ears going self-employed. But that's a whole other story that you and I can maybe take offline about power bespoke. Um Fine. Okay. I, I guess I've got a good, I've got a question, but Mark's got one on top of the end of his tongue. So I'll let you go, big boy. <laughs> well, I, I well I might take the uh, conversation now in a completely different direction because I wanted to talk, um, Nicola, about your passion for driving change in the industry. We talked. I talked about it at the um, intro. We talked about it in our the chat that we had last year. I wanted to to sort of have a view what changes do you think have been made for the better within our industry last year and what changes would you like to see 
this year and and beyond where do you think we are as an, as an industry because i know you're really passionate about driving change diversity and um, mental health all of that sort of thing so where what good has been done and what more do we need to do in your opinion uh actually loads of good has been done loads um and it's everything from the women in property facebook group and everything that surrounded that that's run by claire and liana they've really driven that we've seen a lot more um women sort of stick their head above the parapet and sort of i don't know make their voices heard um there's a lot of talk about the lack of women in property and there isn't a lack of women in property there's just a lack of women who actually put themselves out there and say i'm here and a lack of role models and over the last 12 months or certainly in my time of, of being part of Broomham, that's changed and I'm seeing much more of that. Um, you know, people like Lucy Noonan, Amy from Spriff, Vicky Babiris, you know, uh, Anne Deckers. We're seeing lots and lots more women who are being uh, probably a little bit more visual um, and much more of their personal brands coming through. And that is fantastic. I think that he talks about the Broom and podcast, which um, I haven't started a new series of that yet. I finished that at the end, of, towards the end of last year in November, we did the last one of those. Um, but the purpose that surrounded that was to, like you said, talk about mental health, talk about the things no one talks about. Uh, we recorded uh, one on menopause, which I've got to release in the new series. We've talked about um, suicide. We talked about loads and loads of stuff that just no one discusses in agency. Um, and I think that, that those types of conversations are becoming more commonplace. Um, and the agents together, I mean, what they've done since they've launched has been truly amazing and absolutely phenomenal. I think the lady that won her case, Alice, who won her case in the papers last year about taking manners, um, to court over her um, sort of maternity situation was was really groundbreaking as well. And I think we're starting to see the industry because of as well as flexible working like we talked about, we're starting to see an industry that's listening and not just listening, is starting to respond. And all of these different platforms and discussions and and things are really becoming more acceptable and becoming more visible and I think that there are some people out there that really champion um, things like mental health like Sam Hunter obviously who's who's fantastic for this sort of thing Rob Brady Rob has made a huge impact in our industry and I don't think he realizes just how much he has um, with with the things that he's been doing and, and I just think that over the last sort of 12 to 18 months, probably powered by COVID, um, our industry has just been a nicer place to be with more conversations around things that things people have never discussed. And what would you like to see moving, moving forward, Nicola? More, more of the same, because all of that is fantastic. And it's great to hear. And hopefully that helps the industry as a whole improve their reputation as well. Yeah, definitely. I think going forward, I'd, I'd certainly like to see more of the same. I know there are discussions with Property Mark around diversity and inclusion, which I've been involved in. And I think Property Mark um, are really significant in making these types of conversations visible, um, being obviously the governing body that they are. Um, I'd like to I'd like things to just keep going as they're going. Um, and, and I think that if we can keep doing what we're doing, we are naturally going to attract people to our industry as well. 
because it's not going to be seen as this old boys club, um, a bunch of people in suits. Um, you can spot an estate, or you used to be able to spot an estate agent a mile off, didn't you? You'd see them walking down the road and you knew they were either an estate agent or a Jehovah's Witness because they had a clipboard and a suit on. And they don't look like that anymore, not necessarily. And I think that all of these things are evolving and evolving for the better. And I almost want, I kind of wouldn't be, wouldn't be sad now if my son or my daughter turned around to me and said, actually, mum, I'd quite like to be an estate agent. Mm. Whereas 10 years ago, if one of them had said to me, I'd have been like, Christ, God, no, go and do anything except be an estate agent. But now, actually, I wouldn't, it, it wouldn't disappoint me because I think the, the industry is evolving in a really positive way. It's becoming um, more credible. You can, you can actually make it a proper career and have industry-recognized qualifications and all those sorts of things. So it's not just something you fall into now. And I think if we keep evolving, it will attract people into it for the right reasons. All four of my kids were told the minute they were born, you're going to be an estate agent. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, and that's so right, Nicola, like I, I really, I believe as well that our industry, I guess internally, forget an externally for a minute, because for any change you've got to, that's got to start internal and then it will protrude external. And I just really think our, our industry needs to move from the internal thought of competitive to supportive whatever that might be whether it's mental health support technical support from a being an estate agent training perspective just a whole more supportive rather than the old school you know doing can't say that or can't put that in public because my competitors might see it how about they do see it and it improves them and the client experience and everything to do with the industry really gets my go yeah 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 i understand that completely next question right so I would say talent is what I I think people in recruitment class it as a lot of the time um what would your advice be to anyone looking to grow their headcount talent count recruit people in 2022 and what common mistakes should they look to avoid or not make okay um well, firstly, I don't think you should ever stop recruiting. And by that, I think that you should always be on the lookout for, for talent. I think that um, I think business owners and leaders should always be trying to build their own network. Um, they should always be talking to their staff about referrals, about, um, about who they know within the industry. I think the kind of companies that do really well and really get their recruitment right probably don't need a recruiter and I know that sounds like, a, like I'm gonna I'm sort of going against what, what I'm all about but I think we that, edit that out <laughs> I, I honestly believe that, that that companies that are constantly reviewing that future organizational chart constantly thinking about growth and development are also always creating a subs bench always creating uh, relationships or networking with people that they want within our, their industry or within their, within their business, I should say. Our industry is a small space. Um, it's a huge, huge, huge space, but it's really small. And actually everyone kind of knows everybody. And I don't think it's difficult to network. And I think if you get your networking right and you ha have a really strong and good brand, you almost shouldn't need to pick up the phone to somebody like me 
um, if you're planning ahead. Now, I, that said, I know because I've been that person who's had a notice land on my desk and gone, oh, shit. I suddenly have a hole in my business. I didn't expect somebody to leave. I haven't been creating the subs bench. Oh my God, I've, I've, got, I've got a problem. I've got a, a, I need a bum on a seat. And that is the worst thing I think anybody can do is go, I need a bum on a seat. So my advice to anybody that's recruiting or looking to recruit over the next, well, next few years really, is um, if that notice does arrive on your desk, the first thing I would do is, is not panic. And I think sometimes, and I know that sounds like a silly thing to say, but I think people suddenly go, right, we need to place, replace person A with a person A. And actually, I don't think half the time you do. I think you could possibly recruit from within. I think you could look at whether or not person A's function actually is valid, is needed, could be diversified, could be changed. Uh, could we outsource? There are lots and lots of different things you can do when person A hands their notice in that doesn't involve recruiting exactly the same thing. Um, and this goes back to, again, that sort of value add and cultural add. Um, look at it as a skills add too. Um, just because person A has been doing a certain job for a period of time, look at what they were really doing. Write down, write down this, that job spec. If you were to hire per that person again, would you hire the same skills? Would you hire the same roles? Would you have different things within there that, that this person could do? And, and then really, really think about what you are looking for from that next hire. And this goes back to what I was saying earlier about a room full of extroverts. Um, think about your diversity within your team. Think about um, perhaps the, the, the growth of your business and what you're likely to need going forward. So are you going to need a videographer? Are you going to need a photographer? Are you going to need a copywriter? You know, estate agency, um, estate agency job, not job ever, that's what they're called, you know, all your write-ups, those, they're bloody awful. If you, could get, if you could get somebody that can write better version of those, can you up your game a little bit? Just, I, th I think that, when it comes to hiring for this year, I would just encourage everybody just to take a step back and really think about what they want and what the future of their business is likely to look like and not constantly keep replacing like for like. So it's, so yeah, so it, so to recap, it's kind of for people, because the question was people looking to recruit in 2022, that would make it sound like they haven't been recruiting in 2021. So I guess it's yeah. kind of start now and never stop. Um, there's always a really I always remember this but I heard John Paul say once is it's better to have a hole in your business than an asshole and I really um, don't know why I mentioned that I think you said is it the right person and, and, and kind of um, mm. and that's been on my mind, my mind as well I think that's a really good point that that, yeah. that, that takes if you, if you if you can have that mindset when the notice does land on your desk then hopefully you don't go into panic mode as you said Nicola and you can take a step back and think right well actually we'll we'll have a bit of pain for four weeks or whatever it might be but actually it'll be much less pain than putting the arsehole in and having pain for six months well there was something somebody said to me i can't remember who it was somebody said something to me about how imagine that there's a fire alarm that's gone off in your office and everybody's evacuated into the car park would you take your whole team back in if you were 
right, you know, if you were going back into your office right now and your whole team stood in the car park, are you going to take every single one of them back? Or not. I'll tell you where I thought that was going. I thought you were going to say, are you taking your whole team out with you? Yeah, that's what I no, thought no, no, no. she said. No, no, no. <laughs> I, could, I could do it that way. Maybe I should put a spin on it next time I tell that. Who should you save? But, uh, <laughs> who would you save and who would you not? Um, no, but, but as part of that, if you go, oh, I'd automatically take, I don't know, Sarah back in. Sarah's definitely coming with me. She's brilliant. Does Sarah know she's brilliant? Does Sarah know that she would be the one out of every single one of them? You don't need to tell the rest of them this, but does she know that if her notice were to land on your desk tomorrow, that you would be head in your hands going, oh, shit. Because if she doesn't, you've got to bloody tell her. Because believe me, right now, how many recruiters, how many property recruiters are there out there? Dozens, hundreds of property recruiters, all in their inbox going, hi, Sarah, I'd like to have a chat with you about a job I'm recruiting for. Every single day, yeah, that's what Sarah's getting well, in her inbox. Yeah, that's how or they worse than that, Or worse <laughs> than that, there's, there's agencies out there that just send a blanket email LinkedIn to everybody yeah. that yeah. I got the other day, which I found you know, quite, <laughs> quite hilarious. Just wondered if you're looking to become a, a self-employed estate agent. Um, and... <laughs> <laughs> another one perry another one and i guess on that it it, it was um what was i going to say just then yeah so so what i've got my head around and i'm new to this employment lark as you know we employ people we've got partner agents and regardless um none of our team are referred to as staff i think that's really important <sighs> never ever ever use the word staff but i i try and go a deep i kind of layer further and 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 talk about our team they're all clients if we if we thought about our team as as if we do someone with a million pound house to sell we would we're always prospecting always prospecting always really trying to look after them always trying to get in the best price blah 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 if we thought more about our team about that like we're always looking for new team members whether they're employed self-employed part-time full-time it really doesn't matter and we're always trying to improve them by training them and all that kind of stuff then you probably would create and with clients we're trying to create raving fans so that we get more clients on recommendation because they're the better quality clients and the better fees and that kind of stuff that's it everything applies everything that you do on the client side applies to the team side um and it's really interesting completely one of the one of the things that people keep talking to me about at the moment is um is nick how do i retain my staff because of those people in their inbox sliding into their dms constantly and and actually it can be really little things that those little signs of appreciation and they don't have to cost money then i'm not saying you've got to chuck chuck money always at your team it's in fact that's probably the last thing you need to do it's all the little subtle things it's that pat on the back it's the well done it's the i don't know it's just i think that valuing and looking after your people it's just the most important thing as a leader that you can do. Um, and, and I think at the moment, there is a real issue with, with people being poached and, and counter offers and things like that. But my attitude to it is that if you get to a point where you need to counter offer a member of staff financially for them to stay, then you fucked up. So, yeah, I mean, it really, I always, it's the same about when agents, whinge that other agents are touting their stock it's like well make yourself so good or one sell the freaking house and they, they won't be able to tout it will they and two make your service so good that the client wants they're with you because they want to be with you because you're in a great job don't make the client need to look elsewhere 
And it's, yeah, that I have agents when I'm coaching saying to them, you know, drop your 12 week contract. No, no, we can't do that. We can't do that. It's like, then you've got a massive problem then, isn't you? Because if they're only with you because you've got a 12 week contract, you've got to solve that, not the freaking contract. And it's a real 100%. interesting whole piece that about team, clients, blah, blah, blah. And there's a lot, there's a lot of, it transfers it transfers really well and I think there's a lot of good good points there Perry but I am very conscious of time Nicola we've run we've run for an hour Sorry. we didn't even talk about how long we were going to we were going to do this no no don't apologize I'm more, more conscious of, of, of your time um so I think we'll we'll um we'll wrap wrap it up there massive thank you uh, Nicola for, for for joining us I think there's loads of takeaways in that there that Perry and I'll now um sort of discuss further um Thank you very much for, for joining us, Nick, from Perry, myself and, and all the listeners. We really, really appreciate your time. Yeah, we really enjoyed that. Thank you for Thank having you. me. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. A massive thank you once again to Nicola Broomham from Broomham Recruitment for joining us um, today. Perry, loads and loads of takeaways. Um, and, you know, I think very inspirational lady who is making waves in the industry, as, as we talked about before. I want to start just by talking about her answer for world-class agency um, and she's talked about you know the phenomenal customer service but actually she mentioned that word personal brand big big word in our, our industry at the moment and actually talked about the output that we have our marketing output really oh, um, fantastic photography video drone footage real professional video uh, visual and audio presentation and you know having it bespoke and professional where the days of sticking a floor plan on right move and maybe a couple of photos are, are long gone. The interview went a very different way about recruitment. And I wonder if we'd have asked her that at the end, if we might have got a little bit of a different answer, um, interestingly. But I think, you know, from a, a world-class agency perspective, if you are not doing those things at the moment, then I think you are definitely miles away from world-class, uh, incidentally. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was, I think the whole personal brand thing is really important because I've, you know, I've, I've, that's a close to my heart is I'm really in the early days. That's, that's all power bespoke was, was just, you know, Perry power trying to take over the world. And I made a big, big focus on the personal brand. And that really helped us a lot get to where we are, I guess, today. Um, I found what was really interesting was, was the whole question around, you know, we asked her when, what advice has she got people looking to recruit in 2022? And she basically said, start now and never stop. Yeah, right. that's. I've heard that. I heard that from a few different people. I've never actually implemented it, but I think it's about time that we we do implement. It. I was just saying to you, we've just finished our three year plan, and we know when we want um, new people within within the business. And actually, it just it it just it challenges your way of thinking because if you come across fantastic people, you could always find room for them, right? Yeah, yeah, and 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 it. She also touched on, I found really, really interesting was about extending the recruitment kind of process, I guess. Um, and she put a very good caveat in there is don't extend it too much because you could lose people. And she says it in more detail, but um, I think that's really important because I've never been a fan of the word recruitment like anyway, but um, to make sure you're getting the right team members to kind of string it out a little bit. It might, might be painful in, in the short term because you really need someone now, but to extend it out to make sure you're getting the right person, I think is really good advice as well. Yeah, and I think I think it's a good it's a good point. As long as you it's like anything where 
as long as you communicate what your process is, if that right person is, is there, and, and it depends on the role that you're recruiting for, as we talked about in the interview, but if you say to somebody right at the start, right, this is our process. We have a, you know, a very um, thorough process to make sure that you're the right fit for us and we're the right fit for you, because I agree with what you said, that it works both ways. So if you say to somebody, right, this week we're going to do this, this week we're going to, next week, if you're successful, we'll do this, and then the following week you'll, you'll do that. I think if somebody then does jump ship or change their mind partway through that process, they're probably not right for, for the business anyway, because you want the person who you are recruiting into your business to be really excited about joining as excited about you are as them joining you. So hopefully there is, there is that. And I think, you know, we've definitely made mistakes where after one, one interview, we said, yeah, they're right for the business. And Nicola's point was really valid. You've got to make it difficult for them to act, act as if they want you, how they want you to see them rather than the real person. So I liked your idea about inviting them to your physical meetings. I think that's a really good idea. And this whole idea of getting the team involved in the recruitment process prior to a podcast I listened to in the, mid, the middle of last year, I'd never even really considered that. Yeah, I, 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 I always, I guess ultimately, like, because we are, we are very culture-led, you know, mm. high-performance culture, help-each-other culture, which is tricky sometimes for a partner-agent model because they are ultimately... It's really tricky, the partner agent model, I'm finding, to try and keep the... They are there ultimately to achieve better lives for their kids and to grow their businesses mm. within our business Yeah. without... And to not become a lone ranger, that's the real balance because you almost want them to be self-sufficient, crack on, yeah, they're achieving this, they're doing this. Ignore what they're doing over there just because they're not doing it doesn't mean you've not got to do it. Whereas in an employed role, maybe everyone's in on a Friday prospecting. Yeah, see what I mean? Like, so, but to get that cultural fit of, of, I think that's really important to try and put them out of their comfort zone and get everyone's buy-in as well. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that. We talked about Friday prospecting. I've tried to implement that without success in our in our business. And that's the difference between, I want to be here, but I'm, I have a different role to our, our other um, partner agents. So that's, that's really interesting. Um, <clears throat> one thing that the self-employed role definitely does allow is flexibility and Nicola talked about the generation of people that we're trying to recruit into our business now um, she said loads of people have left agency because of the time constraints they don't want to work weekends they don't want to work bank holidays um, and actually I can see that because do you know what I don't either and I just think that those those ideas of being chained to your desk from eight o'clock in the morning till six o'clock at night, uh, six days a week. I think they're all long gone. And I don't think client expectation is at that level either. You mentioned it about Money Penny. Um, you, you've also got a mobile phone that you, you know, if you if you so wish, you can you can do um, you know calls off it and, and resolve any issues at half seven, eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night, whatever time it might be. But I think those days are gone. They're definitely gone within our business. I think it's um when I'm speaking to new potential partners for us is I explain that the, the, the world has changed, you know, one, they're being self-employed. So we legally can't tell them what they can and can't do, which we have mm -hmm. no intention of doing that. We've got, we've got kind of rules of the game, how we do it here, brand standards, those need to be adhered to. If they don't want to follow the structured week, they haven't got to, but yeah. they also can't come moaning in eight months time when they're not producing the level of income that they set themselves. Mm -hmm. But 
Um, it's really interesting one because I always talk about estate agency isn't a thing you do for work, it's a thing you do with your time. And it just so happens that you might do it, you know, the working weekends and bank holidays, I'm the same, don't particularly enjoy it, but I will launch a house on the market on a Saturday and, be, and do a, a market launch because I, because I want to, not because yes. I've got a boss saying you've got to work Saturday. Um, and it all comes down to everything in life. Tasha hates it at times, but it's the 80-20 rule, isn't it? I won't work 80% of Saturdays, but we have got a viewing yeah. team that they want to work Saturdays because I don't work full-time during the week. Mm -hmm. um, and it all just, with the right support network in place, you can have that balance and still achieve. The caveat being, when, you, when you're getting off the ground as an agent, you've got to work 16-hour days, seven days a week. It, there's no getting around that as a self-employed estate agent. Yeah. Anyone that tells me yeah. that they join and after three months, they're working three days a week are absolutely talking crap or they're only earning 15, 20 grand a year. Yeah. 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 And it goes, it's just, that's part of the lesson of life, isn't it? You know, things worth having don't come easy. And so, you know, you've, you've got to put the graft in to, um, to, to get that. But I think if you, if we look at, from an employed position, you know, we see it in property industry. I, if you read that, read that rubbish and um, all the other stuff, there's more and more agents recognizing that to attract and retain the right sort of talent that you need to have a successful business, you've got to be more flexible. And as Nicholas said, there are so many different ways that you can actually, actually do that. Um, did, we, did we discuss the meet the team? Have we discussed that that as a as an idea as part of the recruitment process? I'm going to add to your process, yeah, yeah, we touched on that. Um, and then my, my final thing that I wanted to to talk about really was um, the multi layer cake. I think that's a really fantastic concept to take into an interview. And we've talked about um, an interview structure of just three questions. This will probably challenge that three questions and, and follow up maybe. But you know, questions like. Why did you do that? How did you make, how did that make you feel? I think there probably where as a business we've fallen down in the past, we've asked a question and thought, right, okay, that was a decent answer. Whereas actually what you do want to do is you want to dig, as Nicholas said, dig deeper to find out those true values because you then make it more difficult for them just to be, well, bullshitting you. Yeah, I think it ties in. I'm a massive fan on the, that's on my interview structure. I've got one tomorrow with a new potential partner agent and, that, and I'll have up, up my, my interview structure with the three crucial questions. But I think that's a layer that equally, you know, that's a headline to those questions are headlines to gauge the answer, see the confidence in their face, hopefully, and, and, and if they've got to think about it and all that kind of stuff. But then spurring off that, definitely great idea to go deeper and just the old saying, press, press the flesh a bit more and, and, and take it deeper. Yeah. Cool. Um, right. Well, I think that's a wrap there. Perry, you, you're quite happy with that. Have you got any more points that you want to raise? No, let's jump in. It really is a good one. So make sure you're focused on it. Yeah. A massive thank you once again to Nicola for joining us. Massive thank you to Perry as well um, for, for joining us over the last, what, three or four episodes, Pez? Yeah. Yeah. No, no one in the world could potentially replace the seat of Mr. Hunter, but I hope I've been a very good custodian for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> I really appreciate you, you stepping in, mate. And massive thank you uh, to everyone for, for listening. As you know, we do this because we love our industry. We want to see it improve and get better. Please like today's episode, share it out, reach out to Nicola. Thank you for your time. I'm Mark Worrell. 
He's Perry Power. Thank you very much. We'll see you again next week. See you later.